All right, well, thank you, Will and crew. Well, good to see you in the first Sunday of 2018, if you're keeping track. This is number one Sunday, first Sunday in the new year. Uh, take your Bible, if you will, and turn to Matthew chapter 7. We are getting back on track this morning on our study through the Lord's, uh, the Lord's Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount, as you know, for the last uh, several weeks we have been going through in the book of Matthew, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And uh, the last time we were there, we studied where Jesus warned us against judging other people. Now, you know, when we went through that, uh, often that's very popular today to say, well, who am I to say? It's not for me to judge. Well, the Bible's very clear about several moral issues, and we don't have to be hesitant to proclaim what the Bible plainly says regarding morality and say, this is sin, and, and you shouldn't be doing this. Uh, that's not what Jesus meant when he said to judge not because here in just a few passages, probably in a couple of Sundays, we're going to be looking where Jesus said we need to beware of false prophets. And so what Jesus was talking about was making an unjust judgment. Somebody posted on Facebook just this week, I think it was Laura and them when they were on vacation uh, down in uh, uh, Walt Disney World or, or someone, I'll get the wrong name now, but I just remember... Uh, they had watched a video, and remember the story I told about the guy that bought, you know, the bag of uh, cookies, and he put the cookies down, he thought, you know, there on the table, and, and the other guy at the airport started eating the cookies, and he's thinking, you know, the nerve of this guy. And anyway, someone had posted a, a Facebook video, and it actually, it wasn't cookies, it was a bag of donuts, but it was the same exact story, you know, about, uh, it ended up not being his bag of of donuts, but the other passenger's bag of donuts, and he was thinking he was stealing his donuts while the whole time he was stealing his donuts. And so that's the kind of judging that Jesus warned against. It's judging when we don't have all the facts, when we don't, we just jump to conclusions about someone else's behavior. But now we're moving in Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 7, and we're going to talk about persistent prayer. I want to ask you do you have a burden? Do you have a problem that you're dealing with? Do you have a burden for somebody, for something in your life? Well, in, in this passage of Scripture, Jesus is going to give us a way to deal with our burdens, to deal with those things that burden us. He's going to talk about prayer. And you know, just a, a few passages earlier, we went through the Lord's Prayer, and we saw Jesus teach the disciples a model prayer. Well, here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Jesus is going to talk about the persistence that we need in prayer. I'm going to go ahead and read it, and then we're going to talk about it. In verse 7, there Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, before we get into this message and what Jesus had to say there, I, I just want to go ahead and confess to you that there are many mysteries about prayer that I don't have the answer to. I have not arrived. I'm still on a journey. I'm still a pilgrim. 
And I'm still learning. But I walk by faith and I take the things that I do know and I walk forward with those things that I do know and, and the mysteries I don't yet know, I, that's why I need faith. As a matter of fact, remember that the only time you need faith is when you don't fully understand. If you fully understood, faith would not be necessary. It's only necessary when you don't have all the facts and you don't fully understand. And so when we think about prayer, there's some questions that come to my mind. And that is, how does the sovereignty of God, how does that equal the free will of man? We believe God's sovereign and we have the book of Revelation. There's prophecy in the Bible and God says this is going to happen and this is going to happen. Well, now, wait a minute, God. How can you know what's going to happen if man has free will and, you know, maybe man decides to go this way instead of that way, takes a right instead of a left and... You know, I mean, how does the free will of man and the sovereignty of God, how, how, does, that, how does that coincide? How, how, how does that harmonize? Something else about prayer. The Bible says that God knows what we need before we ask Him. Well, I, m maybe I'm irreverent, but the very question that comes to my mind is, well, why ask? I mean, God already knows what we need. I mean, why do I have to ask? He's already aware of what we need Another question that comes to mind in light of this passage, and you've heard this preached numerous times before, I'm sure, and if you have, you know that in the, in the original language, it, it really says not just ask, but ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. It's the idea of, of a continual, a continual effort. And so the very purpose of this passage is to admonish us to be persistent in prayer, not to give up, not to pray one time and, well, nothing happened. I guess, I guess that doesn't work. No need to try that again. That, that, that's not how prayer works. And the very purpose of this passage is, is to encourage us not to grow weary in prayer, not to grow weary in seeking. So that begs another question that, that comes to my skeptical mind from time to, from time, to time, and that is, well, if, if um, Lord, if it's Your will and You're a good Father... As we just sang and Jesus just said here in this passage, then why not ask just one time? Why do I have to keep asking? Why do I have to keep seeking? So, and, and so why is that, Lord? So these are some questions that we all have about prayer. Some mystery of prayer. And I want to try to answer a few of those if I could as, as we go through this. I, I will tell you that it's been said that prayer changes things and uh, I, I know that there used to be, uh, my mother, I think, used to have a, a ceramic thing in the kitchen said, prayer changes things. Well, that's true, but I might suggest that maybe a truer statement, a more accurate statement, is prayer changes people. Prayer changes people. And might I also add that it is often the person who is praying who is changed the most. We often think of the object of our prayer, the person we are praying for, but it is often the person who is praying that is changed the most. So prayer is not about convincing God. God's up there saying, you know, convince me if you can. Here I am and let's see if you, we can make a deal. You know, what, what do you have to offer? And, and we'll see if we can make a deal. That, that's not what prayer is. It's not about if we can argue and convince and give God a good argument and then He's going to come over to our side and, and do what we tell Him to do. That's not prayer. What prayer is often is, is as we begin to seek God and we begin to, to, to pray and, 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 and seek the face of God and knock and ask, 
We're the one who is actually changed. God is unchangeable. He doesn't change. But we conform ourselves to where God is. I'll tell you something else about prayer. And the Bible teaches this. We are in a spiritual battle. There are forces at work that you and I cannot see with our naked eye. The greatest example of that one many of you are familiar with is in the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. Now we all know if you're going to do a study on prayer, you have to include Daniel. He was the great man of the Old Testament that prayed three times a day. And and the old pagan king says, you know, nobody can utter any request to anyone except me for an entire day. And Daniel always prayed. And you know the story. The Bible says Daniel, as was his custom aforetime, he changed nothing, depended upon the fickle laws of man. And Daniel, he goes to the window, he opens up his window, and he prays. He prayed three times a day, just as he always did. Of course, that got him in trouble. And uh, he was cast into the lion's den, but you know the Lord delivered him from the lion's den. So Daniel was a man of prayer. But, I, but did you know that Daniel, when he prayed, the answer didn't always come immediately. And one of the great examples in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, Daniel had been praying, and he'd been praying for some 21 days. Nothing had happened. Fasting, praying, seeking the face of God, you know, and, and why didn't God answer? Well, Daniel has a vision. And in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, the Bible says, The angel said to Daniel, Do not fear, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. Sometimes in prayer, we pray and we pray and we don't get an answer. There is very possible that there is a spiritual battle going on. There is a spiritual war. And again, I don't have all the answers to that. How does all that work? The prince of Persia represented a, a, a supernatural spirit, if you will, a demonic spirit that was at war uh, with the people of God. And, and uh, this angel that came to Daniel, he was in a battle. He was in a spiritual battle. There was a war. going on. Remember when Jesus' disciples came, and, or this, this father came to Jesus, to Jesus, and he said, you know, I, I brought my child to your disciples, but, but they couldn't help him. And remember, Jesus said, this kind comes forth but by fasting and prayer. You say, Brother William, what does that mean? It means it comes forth, but by fasting and prayer. I, I told you, I'm still on a journey. I hadn't got there. I'm still learning. But what that tells me is that some things happen quickly. Sometimes we pray, and I mean, God, He's there right on spot, and, and immediately we, we know we have an answer to our prayer. And there are other circumstances, there are other cases where we pray and we fast, and we, and we get on our face before God, and we wrestle, it seems, as, as Jacob did with the angel uh, in the Old Testament, and, and, and God doesn't it seemingly respond. It seems that nothing changes. Sometimes things get worse than before. And this is what Jesus is talking about, that listen, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Don't give 
up in prayer. There are many things we don't understand. There are forces at work we don't understand. But Jesus has given us instruction. I guess you have two choices. You can lose faith, throw up your hands and quit and say God doesn't answer. You know, I'm through with it. Or you can listen to Jesus and you can say I'm going to ask and keep on asking. I'm going to seek and keep on seeking regardless of the outcome, regardless of what I see with my eyes. I'm going to knock and keep on knocking. And that's when you walk in the realm of faith. When you walk not by sight, but by faith. Remember the disciples when they came upon Jesus and He said, have you caught anything? They said, nothing, Lord. He said, well, go back out and, you know, put your throw out on the other side. And, you know, the disciples said, now, Lord... All night long, we have. Sometimes we read something and don't fully grasp. Have you ever been on a on a fishing boat, you know, and pulled nets? I mean, I, I I've never pulled nets, but I, I know that's a hard job. I mean, you know, they didn't have big hydraulic motors like they do now. I mean, they threw the nets out and they pulled them in. That was hard work. Can you imagine hour after hour after hour all through the night? You've thrown the net out. You thought maybe maybe this time. You drug it in. Nothing. You know, you're tired, you're wore out, throw it out again. You throw it out, you make your round. You pull it in, nothing. You finally say, boys, it's just not going to happen tonight. Let's go to the house, I'm hungry. You know, let's get something to eat. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, throw out one more time. Now, if you operate by logic, you say, now hold on a minute. We've circled this, we've circled this lake a hundred times. We've thrown out in every square foot of this lake. We've caught nothing. The best fishing time is over. It's getting daylight. And and he said, do it one more time. I'm tired. I'm not doing it anymore. You know, but you remember what? I think it was Peter that said, Lord, nevertheless, at your command, we will do it one more time. And let me just encourage you, and you've heard me say this before, that faith is not always a positive attitude. I, I have to venture, I don't think Peter had a positive attitude at that moment. He, I, I think he basically said... We've caught nothing all night. And we're not going to catch anything this time. But you know what? Because you're, you're our master. And because you said, throw it out. We're going to do it simply because you said to do it. I don't expect we'll catch anything. But I'm going to do it because you said do it. Let me tell you, faith, it's more important what you do with faith than how you feel about faith. You may have doubts. You may have all kind of Remember I said I haven't arrived. There's all kind of things I don't know, but I've made up my mind I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to follow the words of Jesus. I may not understand. There may be times when I have questions that I don't have answers to. But like Peter, I'm going to throw the net out one more time. You said keep throwing it out, and I'm going to throw it out one more time. So, let's look at what Jesus said here. He said, first of all, three commands and three promises. And you all know them. Ask, seek, and, and knock. Now ask, that's the power of our words. You ask with your mouth. Prayer certainly involves our mouth. We pray with our mouth. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those that love it will eat its fruits. Now I'm not one of those that say you can have what you say, but I will tell you this, the Bible is very clear and even you go beyond the Bible, or if you don't give much account to the Bible, you set it aside, you just look at people, and anybody will tell you that the words that come out of your mouth have an effect on your surroundings. 
I mean, I think I got this from Adrian Rogers, but I use it all the time. We all know folks that can brighten up a room just by walking out, right? And it's generally because of their words. Always negative, always negative. Something bad's going to happen. Always negative, always negative. Our words are important. And so we ask, we pray with our lips, we pray with our mouth, we pray with our words, and and we verbalize what it is that we want God to do. And then he says to seek. Now that's our heart. We pray, we, we ask, that's our mouth, and we seek, we seek with our heart. What is it that you want? And listen, if you're praying about something your heart's not in, you're wasting your time. Your heart needs to be in it. Are you praying? Are you verbalizing? And then, Lord, I desire this. Lord, I want you to do this. This is a desire of my heart. You ask and you seek. And then you knock. Well, that's our hands. The power of our words, we ask. The power of our desires, we seek. And the power of our actions, we knock. We ask. We seek. And we knock. And then three promises. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. Now again, you can't take one passage of Scripture and and build a doctrine on, on just one passage and not look at all. Is that a blank check? I mean, did Jesus just say, whatever you ask, you'll receive. Whatever you seek for, you'll find. Whenever you knock, it'll be opened no matter what the door is or what the request is. Well, obviously not. You look at passages and just one, we don't have time to go into all of them, just one that all of you know, and that's Paul. Because Paul, he checks all the boxes. He was a righteous man. He was a man of faith who performed miracles. Nobody can question his faith. Nobody can question his his right standing before God. Nobody can question his salvation, his anointing from God. He had the power and the authority of an apostle. I mean, if anybody's going to get an answer from God, it's going to be Paul. And we find, you all know the story of Paul's thorn in the flesh. He asked, he sought, and he knocked. The Bible says that he asked the Lord three times. Now, let me just suggest to you that that didn't mean that one morning he got up and said, Lord, make this go away. Then he thought about it a week from now, and he said, oh yeah, Lord, make this go away. And then the third time was a month later, it come come to his mind again. He said, well, Lord, make this go away. The indication when it says that he sought the Lord three times I believe it's three seasons of seeking. I mean, this was a major issue with Paul. This wasn't some little irritant. This was a major problem. And I believe that Paul got on his face before God and he he verbalized, he asked God, he sought. It was his great desire of his heart that this be removed. And and, and with his hands, he knocked. He did everything possible that he could do to make it go away. He asked, he sought, he knocked. And, And you remember God answered his prayer. But he didn't give Paul what he wanted. He gave Paul what he needed. Remember what he said? He said, my strength, Paul, is made perfect in weakness. Because Paul's argument to God was, Lord, this makes me weak. I'm trying to serve you. And I am hampered by this messenger of Satan that weakens me. And it it makes me unable, in Paul's eyes, unable to be all that I could be for you. And Lord, remove it. It's from the devil, I know. And it hampers me. It makes me weak. And I want to be strong for you. 
And God comes to Paul and he says, I want to make you strong too, Paul. I want you to be strong for me too. But do you know how you can be strong for me? In your weakness. Not how you think. You think that if you were free of this burden, if you were free of this trial, that suddenly you would be strong and you would do great things for me. But Paul, what you don't know is that it is your awareness of your weakness that allows me to work through you. And I'm not going to remove it, Paul. That's not what you need. I'm going to leave it there. And sometimes God does not answer our prayer as we desire or as we think perhaps He should. So the three commands and the three promises. And then there's three principles in verse number 8. He says, For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Now, that's a universal principle. That's not just a, a, a spiritual principle. Jesus just threw out a universal principle. That's true. The one who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, to him it will be open. That is a universal, universal principle. Anybody know what's happening tomorrow night at 8.45? Anybody have a clue? Georgia, write it down. W.A. Carver just spoke in church. Georgia, Georgia and Alabama. I knew it had to be about sports. Georgia and Alabama are playing for the national championship. And you know what you've already heard if you watch those games and, and you're going to hear tomorrow night? Somebody, mark it down, is going to make a statement very similar to this. Well, I tell you what, they're hungry for it. They really want it. They're hungry. I mean, I think this team is hungrier than this team. And what they're saying is that this team really wants it. They desire it. They're willing to, they're willing to ask for it. They're willing to seek it. They're willing to knock. They're willing to do anything. And that's a universal principle of life. Those that ask generally receive. Those that seek generally find. Those that knock to them, it generally is open. I mean, if you sit in the house and don't do anything, nothing's going to open. No, you're not going to get anything. No opportunities are going to present themselves. You have to go out and seek. You have to knock. You have to ask. So Jesus gives a universal principle. Obviously, it doesn't mean that everybody that asks, they're going to get the answer they want. I've already said that. Everybody that knocks, they're going to get what they think they want. Everybody that seeks... But in general terms, they that ask, they that seek, and they that knock are going to find. Now Jesus gives an example, two examples actually, over in Luke chapter 18. Again, the principle and what Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying don't give up. Don't give up in your prayer. Don't give up in your seeking God. Keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. And, and He spells this out in a parable, Luke 18 you all know this parable. He's talking about prayer and not growing weary in prayer. Luke 18. It's called the parable of the unjust judge. It says, Then he spake a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Saying there was a certain city, a judge, who did not fear God nor regard man. And there was a widow in that city. And she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. 
And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? And then again in Luke chapter 11 and verse Verse, uh, if you look at the beginning of chapter 11, he gives the Lord's Prayer. The, the disciples ask him to teach them to pray. And, and then in verse 5, he gives an example. He says, And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are in with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And then Jesus gives Luke's version. He says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives and he that seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Two examples. The unjust judge, both of them are about persistence. The friend who comes in the middle of the night. They're all about persistence. Jesus is saying, keep praying even though you see no result. Don't give up. Keep seeking, although it seems that you'll never find. Keep seeking. Keep knocking, although it seems the door is slammed shut. Keep knocking. Keep asking. Keep seeking. I'm going to give you an example from my own life. You know, y'all did a pastor appreciation here a while back, and, and, and y'all, y'all took and, and, and kind of played out that scene up here with a little red car. Me and Lloyd were dating probably about 1985, and it was about 1130 at night, and uh, many of you know the story. Uh, it was time for her to be home at 12, and, and we were coming across those railroad tracks right there by New Hope Church in Ambrose. And I won't go into all the details, but I thought it would be a go ahead. I thought it would be a good idea to stop there and to just gaze at the moon and and talk about the stars and the beauty of the night creation for just a few minutes that we had before she had to be home. And and uh, somehow in that in that effort, I uh, I tried to back across that railroad track and I got my rear tire hung in them tracks. Ran off the road. That was my 1977 black two-door Mercury Cougar that my daddy had bought me when I turned 16. That was my most prized possession, other than Loy at the time. <laughs> and I had sat there, and I had been dating Loy long enough. I knew that sometime between 11:30 and 12, I had sat on the couch at her mom and daddy's house plenty of times and heard that big train go right behind her house. And I knew it was what Jerry Clower calls a 100-car banana train. I mean, you know, it was last forever. And uh, I knew, you know, my car, I seen it. I spun, spun rocks. It was not coming off. And all of a sudden, you know, my mind began to race. And no cell phones at the time, but I could just see myself calling Daddy. Yeah, I could see the train hitting my car, busting it in 100 pieces. And say, Daddy, this William, I car's got hit by a train. We're okay. You know, and I, I, I just, I, well, what am I going to do? And, and I just, you know, I kicked into gear. I, I saw that there was no way to get that car off the track. I had to have some help. And I told Lori, I said, get out of the car. I still remember. She said, well, let me get my jacket. You know, <laughs> she got her jacket. And uh, I said, if anybody comes by on this road, stop them. But if you hear the train, just get out of the way. Because I first thought about trying to meet the train, 
But then I thought, well, I, I can't tell what direction it's coming from. I just hear the whistle, but I don't have a light to attract his attention. I'll never get him stopped in time. So I said, that's a, that's a non, I just put that aside, no starter. And I said, I, there was a double-wide trailer right up there on the corner, right across New Hope Church. And I remember they had a fence around their yard. And I told Loy, I said, if you see a car coming, you stop that car. Flag them down. See if they can pull us off this track. And I, I, I got to the yard of that man and asking, seeking, and knocking. I couldn't knock on the door because there was a fence. But I tell you what I did, I climbed halfway up that fence. Wasn't good enough to stand on the grass. I wanted to get at least halfway over. I didn't want the fence stopping my voice. And I, I still remember, I began to knock with my voice. I said, hey, y'all get up. Hey. Let me tell you, at that moment, I didn't care what he thought of me. I didn't care if it made him mad. I, I had, it didn't matter to me in whatsoever. None of that mattered. I didn't care. All I knew was my car was on the railroad track and I needed somebody to get it off or it was going to be destroyed. And all the other things that I normally would think about were meaningless. I climbed up the fence. I began to holler. I finally heard a voice. Yeah, what is it? And then I, then I asked. You got to ask to receive. I said, hey, my car's on the railroad track. I need somebody to help pull it, pull it off. He says, all right, I'll be there in a minute. And listen, ask. Be bold. I said, well, try to hurry because I think the train's coming. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't really, I didn't need him there 20 minutes later. <laughs> I want him there now. Again, I, I, it didn't matter to me. If what he thought about me, I could care less. As long as he would get his vehicle or something down there with a chain and get me off that track, that was all I cared about. Well, you know, I run back down there and I see Lloyd's got somebody stopped and it's a guy she went to school with but he didn't have a chain. And, you know, and so finally the guy gets there, he hooks to the car and he pulls, you know, throat knocks the muffler off, but that's meaningless. I get my car back on level ground. And I can remember saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, and I, I think I paid the guy. I mean, I would have given him everything I had. I don't, I don't know what I what I paid him but we got in the car and we drove just five minutes down to her house and as we got out of the car at her house I heard that train whistle <laughs> and I said thank you Lord thank you Lord but let me tell you something the reason I shared that story is at that moment I had a great need and it meant that things I would normally not do because of my pride because of what other people might think of me all that faded into nothingness. And I had one great desire, and that was to get my car off that railroad track. If I had to wake somebody up in the middle of the night, I didn't care. If I had to pay them $20, I didn't care. Whatever. And that's what Jesus is talking about. The burdens that we carry. The things that, that, that we're toting. And when we reach a point where we say, Lord, I'm just coming to you. I don't care what other people think of me. I, I, I need your help. And I, and I get on my face before you and I ask you and I, I seek you with all my heart. And I knock. I, I, with my hands I pray. With my heart I pray. With my voice I pray. Lord, I, I come to you. And I don't know the answer to this problem, but I come to you and I ask and I seek and I knock. And my friend, that's where we have to be. And Jesus ends this lesson. He says, if your child asks of you a piece of bread, will you give him a serpent? No, you won't. And your heart is evil. 
And if you know how to give good to your children, will not your heavenly Father give good to you? I mentioned there's a spiritual battle. And right now, in many hearts and minds, I guarantee you there's a battle going on. The devil is saying, God's not good. God's not good. Look what he has allowed to happen to you. God's not good. Look what he has allowed to come into your life. He's not good. And the Holy Spirit is saying, yes, God is good. By faith, there is a land that is fairer than day. And by faith, we can see it afar. And the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. We walk the narrow way by faith, not by sight. Ah, Jesus encourages you. I'm just the messenger boy. Jesus encourages you. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Don't lose your faith in your heavenly Father. He is the only Creator. He is the one true God. You may not understand. That's why faith is necessary. You may not understand, but simply trusting. Remember Paul? Paul asked for what he thought he wanted, but he got what he really needed. Although it meant a thorn in the flesh. Jesus says, you have a burden. I quote another old song we used to sing many, many years ago when I was a little boy. Are you weary? Are you heavy hearted? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Are you grieving over joys departed? Tell it to Jesus alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. And God, we thank you that in a land that sometimes uh, we find dark paths and we find heavy burdens, Lord, we thank you that you have given us light and hope. Lord, you've given us instruction on what to do. We're not left simply wringing our hands in despair, but we have something we can do. And that something is to ask. It is to seek. And it is to knock. And to not grow weary in asking and seeking and knocking. Not to base our asking and seeking and knocking on the results, but base it on you and your faithfulness. God, I pray you will help all of us to do that. Where there are burdens, let us take them to you. Lord, I pray that you will help us to be faithful. You'll help us to look to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand and sing, sing hymn number 330 with us. Hymn number 330. You're here this morning. Maybe you want to come pray or if you want to make a public decision for the Lord, you just obey as we sing.